Let's open to Psalm 119 together this morning. Shine. Last week was the origin of light. This week is the purpose of light, which is one of several purposes of light that we'll be looking at through this series. Psalm 119. Really, an easy way to find it, if you look at your Bible and you try to find the exact middle and open it up. If you're right, you'll end up in Psalm 118. And then you just flip a few pages over. Psalm 118 is the middle of your Bible. Isn't that funny? Right in the middle of the Bible, we find Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has 176 verses in it. All but eight of those 176 verses deal with the Word of God. They talk about the Word of God. Uh, if you notice, in Psalm 119, there are some interesting little sub, subheadings throughout the verse. There will be so many verses, and then another subheading, and then another few verses, and, and a subheading. The reason those subheadings are there is because the author thought it would be a great idea, as much as this author loved the Word of God and revealed that in this psalm, he decided he was going to make an acrostic out of the Hebrew letters. So each of those subheadings is one letter in the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew alphabet. And what they would do, what this writer would do, was start out each one of those lines, each one of those verses, under that heading with the same Hebrew letter. And he would work his way all the way down through the entire Hebrew alphabet. So we find ourselves this morning in Psalm 119, verse 105. A very familiar verse. This is one of the 168 verses that deal specifically with the Word of God. When I'm saying Word of God, please let me just say this. He often refers to the Word as God's command, God's law, God's precepts, God's Word. This morning in Psalm 119, verse 105, the psalmist refers to it as the Word. And this will be a very familiar verse to many of you. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So you're thinking this morning, one verse... One short, teeny, tiny little verse. We are going to be out. We are going to beat the Methodists to lunch. That's what you're thinking. I know. I know. But let me just tell you something great about this one little verse. This one little verse that you see, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path, is rich in devotional quality. I mean, this verse, when you really take just those few words strung together, this picture that the author is writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when you consider those words and what they mean and what they meant to him, I'll tell you what, it opens up. I mean, it, it paints a beautiful picture of how the writer, how the author of this psalm viewed and how he loved the Word of God. He didn't just love it. He saw it as something essential and necessary for his life. I want to show you four things this morning. Now you're going, uh-oh, four things. I know four things. No, really, let me show you four things that this one tiny little verse shows us and teaches us, and hopefully we will also be able to capture, grab a hold of that same heart that that psalmist wrote when he loved the Word of God so much and saw it as a necessary element for his survival. The first thing is this. The verse reminds us that we walk in a dark world. This verse 
reminds us that we walk in a dark world. Now, when I say a dark world, you know how it works. For half of the day it's dark on this side, half the other day it's dark on the other side. We, we understand the situation with how the earth uh, moves and how the earth travels and orbits and rotates the sun. We understand how those celestial bodies move. But what I'm, not, I'm not talking this morning about a physical light. Because in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, there are great parallels drawn between physical light and spiritual light. Physical darkness and spiritual darkness. When the Apostle Paul was writing to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 8, he said this, he said, You were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. You are light in the Lord. What the writer was saying was that that darkness was not just a literal darkness. It, wasn't, it, it didn't have anything to do with the sun's rays or the clouds or an eclipse. It had nothing to do with a literal night. What he was talking about was that they were literally in a moral darkness. They were in a spiritual darkness. Peter goes on to write in his second letter, he says that we would do well to heed these prophetic words as one who has a light shining in a dark place. What the writer was telling us, what we find all throughout the New Testament, and especially in the Old Testament, is that we live in a fallen, dark, moral, immoral world. We live in one that has been tainted and affected greatly by sin. Not just the people that live in it, but the people that make up the leadership and the structure and the organization. Every one of us, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that we are bent away from God because of that sin nature that we possess. And we live in a world that has also been cursed because of the effects of Adam and Eve's sin. This world is a dark, immoral place we need light to be able to see we need something that is not from this world to be able to give us a, a true proper perspective and illuminate life the way it's supposed to be lived to see things in their truest form to see things properly so we can make educated educated decisions the bible tells us that this world is not just fallen but it's perplexing Think about this for a minute. This world, we have all kinds of different decisions. We have all types of different options to make. And you know, if the truth be known, put to our own devices, left alone all by ourselves, we may not use the Bible as our moral compass. We may not use the foundation of God's Word as our initial, as our predominant decision-making tool. We may incorporate different philosophies from throughout the world. We may incorporate philosophies that we heard from our grandmother or Oprah. We may adopt all of these different things. We may even say, it doesn't matter what's right or wrong, it's just what makes me feel good. The Bible tells us that there are many different options we can make in life. And if you think about it, none of us are standing still on the conveyor belt of life. Think about this for a minute. None of us, are, are, every one of us in here right now is alive. And there are, there's not one of us that can stop life from happening. Life really is like a conveyor belt. It moves us along. There are none that can fight against it as long as we have life. We are continually, in a linear fashion, being moved further and further down a path of our choosing. And there are many different options and, and side paths that we can take in life. There are many obstacles and pitfalls that can stand in the middle of our path. 
And remember, we live in a very dark world and we need that light. We need something from outside of this world. We need a different divine perspective to be able to come down and show us exactly what we're seeing. I want you to see this next thing. There are obstacles and hidden things. In Proverbs 4.19, it says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The people that are walking in darkness, Solomon said, they don't even know. They know they're tripping, but they don't even know what they're falling on. They, they don't even see it coming. Once they fall on it, they don't understand it. They don't even know what caused them to trip up. Isn't that a funny picture? You know, if you go back to Isaiah, especially the major prophets in the Old Testament, the word darkness was used frequently. Oftentimes in Isaiah and Jeremiah, they were, God, God referred to His people as blind people groping about in the darkness. Looking for a door, looking for a, an exit, looking for a way to go. But what a, an amazing picture God drew. God illustrated for His people in times where they had cast the Word of God away. In times of rebellion against God, He said they are like blind people groping for the wall. Feeling, looking, hoping to grab something that is familiar. The Bible, this one little verse. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It reminds us that we walk in a very dark world. Perplexing. Can be confusing. Can be dangerous. There are many different obstacles out there. There are many different pitfalls, both of our nature and the enemy that wants nothing more than to trip us up. It is a morally dark world and we need to know we have to have something to give us a proper matrix for our decision making in life in order to navigate through these challenges. I want you to notice this second thing this morning. This verse assumes movement. Okay? This verse assumes movement. Now, where the rider was riding from that area, it is very hilly. The terrain is tough. There are rocks everywhere and mountains. Always an uneven surface. Most everywhere, you're going up somewhere or down somewhere. It's like going to Branson. If, kind of. You can, tell, you can tweet that pastor said going to Israel is like going to Branson. I hope you will also tweet the context of what I'm saying. If you're not going up and down, you're going around and round. There's always movement. So what the writer is saying is this. When he says, God, your word is like a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, he's saying, God, I am moving. I'm, I'm making progress. I am, I am on a journey. Now think about that for a minute because I told you that each one of us cannot stop the conveyor belt of life while we're living. Each one of us is being pushed, is being ushered in a very literal, linear sense down this corridor of time. We are approaching and, and decisions are approaching us and objects are in front of us and moral decisions await us as we go down that list. And what the writer is saying is, God, I know I'm on a journey. I know I am moving. I know I am on this path. And God, what I also know is that your word provides what I need in order to, to navigate through this path properly, safely. You know, let's dig a little deeper. This does not just assume that there is movement. 
the writer is not just telling us that he is going down a path. Think of how deep those words really are. I have six chickens. How am I fitting chickens into this sermon, right? We let them out during the day. They get out, they eat bugs, leave presents. And at night, they go back in the coop all by themselves. They don't shut the door behind them. I would love to know how to teach my chickens to shut the door behind them. They don't shut the door behind them. If I don't go out and shut them in and lock them up, it's a danger for them. Something will come and kill them and eat them. So many times at night, I've been laying in my chair just about ready to go to bed, and I have this thought pop up in my head. You know when you get real comfortable? I mean, that moment where you're just about, you, just, you can almost feel your bed, you know? And you're laying there and your eyes open. I didn't shut the chickens up. It's one of the worst feelings. That's how bad my life is, guys. That's one of the worst feelings right there. Oh, I've got it rough. My cross to bear, folks. So I'm laying there. I think, i got to go get the chickens. You know, I have done that so many times. I can literally go out now without a flashlight. I mean, there, there are trees, and, and sometimes there are some toys in the yard that do make it a little interesting. But you know what? I know where every low spot in my yard is. I know where every little thing is in my yard. I, I could walk out there with my eyes shut, and I think maybe sometimes I have. I, I just know the path. Some of you may also know that path. Some of you may know exactly how to get into your bathroom from your bedroom without even opening your eyes. Some of you may do that because it's a path that you are familiar with. It's a path you've walked often. You know what the writer's telling me? This is deeper. He's telling me that Psalm 109 verse, or Psalm 119 verse 105 is not just about movement. He's telling me of something of great devotional quality for my life. He's telling me, God, your word helps me on a path that I am not familiar with. You know, if you think about it, Think about this with me for just one moment. Isn't that what the journey of faith is all about? Isn't that what our Christian existence is about? Isn't that what our relationship with Christ is? That we are constantly, as people who are not living by sight, but are living by faith, we find teachings in God's Word, we apply them to our life, we find decisions that we would have normally made the wrong way, and we say, wait a second, I know what God's Word says, and I'm going to do what God's Word says. I'm going to take a step of faith. You know, if you think about it, every one of us as Christians is called to be growing and developing and exercising our faith, walking in accordance to God's Word, constantly pushing the boundaries, extending the borders, experiencing new frontiers in our faith, walking in places we have never walked, journeying where we have never gone before in our relationship with Christ. Oftentimes, it seems that we just wear out little paths around a well-lit camp. God has never called us to wear out paths around a well-lit camp. What God has called His children to do is to launch out into the deep. 
What he has called us to do is to believe his word, trust his word, do his word, and in doing it, we chart a new path that has not been worn down. We walk on grass that has not been bent or broke. We walk on paths where his mercies, his promises, the adventure of faith is new. That's what the word calls us to. But we, like those in Babel, often feel comfortable just living around our city, never wandering much beyond the boundaries of our salvation, never going deeper, never pushing further, never walking closer in our relationship with Christ. But this writer, this writer tells us, God, your word is necessary. God, your word provides light for me on a path I have never been on before. What about you, believer? Where is your path? Have you really journeyed in faith? Have you really grown much from where you were at salvation? Are there scriptures that you refuse to walk in obedience to? Are there things you refuse to allow God to do with your life? That's not the existence that God has for us. He wants us to be frontier people. Always moving, pushing, experiencing, going further than we've ever gone before. Notice this third thing. We need light. How many of you have ever had a flashlight when you needed it but realized you didn't have batteries? Don't you love that? Yeah, with our cell phones now, if you have stock in flashlights, you might as well uh, sell with cell phones all having flashlights now, we all have one when we need it, right? Don't you hate that moment when you got your flashlight, you find it, you turn it on when the power goes out, and it's click, 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 click. I, I have, you know, three kids, all this tall and under. I don't say their ages anymore, I just say they're this tall and under. And you can't find a battery in our house. They're, they're gone, they're always gone. And you, then you have to take them out of the remote, you remember that? Remember this, guys. Light does not remove the obstacle from your path. This is important. We need light, but light does not remove the obstacle from our path. It doesn't, it doesn't remove, it doesn't lay out straight that, that, that challenge that lies ahead. It doesn't remove, it simply illuminates. It reveals what is already there. It shows us what we need to be able to see so we can avoid it or remove it altogether. It shows us the consequences. It shows us the problems that lie ahead and help us to be able to deal with it. You may say this morning, you know, if I do what you're saying, Pastor, then I'm going to have an easy life. Maybe you're looking at your life right now with the challenges and the difficulties and you may say, well, if I just do what the pastor says and and I start walking in obedience to the Word and learning and growing more in accordance to the Word, then life is going to be easy. I'm not saying that. Don't tweet that. I'm not saying that at all this morning. You know, walking in accordance does not make your life easier. Lining up, lining your life, lining your family, lining your marriage up with the truths espoused in God's Word does not make your life easier. There are challenges still. You have an old nature that you have to battle against that says, I really want to go down this road even though I know it's bad. 
I still want to do this, even though I know I really shouldn't do it. And I, I see all these other people that are going down this path right here, this broad way, and I really, really want to do it. It doesn't make it less easy. Think about a person who's going to run a marathon. They have to train. They have to be able to prepare for that moment that they run that 26.2 miles. You would look at their life, you would see them training, and you would say, that's not an easy life, that's a rough life. But for them, it's worth it. For them, it's rewarding. It may not be, it may not be easy, but it is rewarding and worth it to those putting in the work to ensure that they get to their destination. See, the, the Word reminds us we walk in a dark world. It assumes movement. It reminds us that we need light. And also look at this beautiful picture before we end on our final point. When the writer is saying, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, they did not have the 4 million candle watt LED spotlight. They didn't have those. Sometimes I look up and I think Christ is returning. If it was in the east, I would really think that. They don't have that. They had fire. They had a torch guys or a lamp at best do you know what candle power one candle is it's one we have four million candle power spotlights they had one candle power candle if you had five candles you had a five candle watt candle you could see five times as much do you know how much that is do you know how much one torch or one candle will light your path just enough to show you where you are and the next couple steps in front of you. He was saying, what a beautiful picture. Thank God that that was written when it was. That we could remember, we do often walk on uneven surfaces. There are rocks and hills and problems and pitfalls and snares. There are those things around. There is sin that tries to destroy us and tear us down. But you know what? When I open God's Word, read it, learn it, memorize it, put it in my heart. When I'm going through life on that conveyor belt and those decisions come, I can weigh those decisions based off of what God says. And you know what? I may not be able to see a year forward in my life. I may not be able to see five weeks down my path. But what I can know when I'm applying God's Word to my life, I can know where I'm standing and I can know what my next step is. And as soon as I take that next step, I have to have more light to be able to see my very next step. What a reminder that in our journey with Christ, how often we need the reminder of the Word, how often we need to start our day with the Word of God, to breathe it, to eat it, to have it in our lives for the purpose of knowing I'm moving down this conveyor belt of life and I need to know what God's Word says about these next steps. Every day, every step, I need to be able to have His Word. Notice this fourth thing, please. Light is trustworthy. He's giving us a statement from experience. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's not saying, God, your word might be, your word could be, your word should be, 
Your word ought to be. He's saying, God, your word is. This is a man who has gone through the word that he had at the time. He looked at it and he said, you know what? This helps me understand life. This helps me make proper decisions. This helps me save myself from scars and broken bones and and spiritual pitfalls. This helps me. And he comes with this glorious declaration saying, God, your word is a light unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what, guys? Here's the great thing. That light that you see will not lie to you. This light It's not lying to you. It's revealing to you and it's showing you everything that is up here just as it is. That's what light does. It shows you what really is. Light is not going to lie to you, nor is the Word of God. Think about it. God who cannot lie, the Bible says, has given us His Word which will not lie. If you think about it as believers, what a wonderful treasure we have in the Bible. For those of you that have trusted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that God Himself lives within you. Can you think of any other manual? Can you think of any other instruction booklet that you can read and know it's true and it's right and you have its author walking with you? What a beautiful truth we have in Scripture. The Bible does not just show us where we're going, It does not just show us what lies ahead of us, but it shows us where we stand. The most incredible, most incredible truth in the Bible. The most important truth, the most vital truth that we have to be able to grasp is this. Just as God cannot lie and His Word will not lie. God has told us that we have sinned. We have missed the mark of the standard of His holiness. And because of our sin, we all have a date with hell. But God, who is rich in mercy, who loved us before the foundation or the formation of the world, sent His only Son as a light into the world. And that Son came and lived the perfect life that you and I are unable to, to rescue us from hell. That is a promise from God's mouth that if you reject or refuse the free gift of salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ, you will spend an eternity in hell. That's a promise. Let me ask you a question. The Word does not just show you what is ahead, but according to Him, it shows Him where He stands. Friend, where do you stand with God? We can come in here this morning and rejoice that we are all a creation of God made in His image, made after His likeness, the pinnacle of all of His creation, made to know Him and to fellowship with Him. But even though we can all claim to be the creation of God, we cannot all claim to be the children of God. 
That only happens when we are born again through faith. When we come to Christ as a sinner in need of salvation. And ask Him from our heart to His to forgive us and to be our Lord and Savior. The moment we do that, we become a child of God. Friend, if you have never trusted Christ as your own personal Savior, the place whereon you stand is not solid ground. The place you stand is shaky. The place you stand is dark. The place you stand is going to one day open up to an eternal hell. But today, through the purpose of, through the use of God's Word, through the conviction of His Holy Spirit on your heart, you can come to that place where you say, God, I have seen the light. And I know that I need you. I know that today you are willing and ready to rescue me and save me for all eternity. Friend, if you are standing on that ground and you don't know Jesus, when we sing in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come down. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, I'm going to invite you to come down. I want to talk with you. I want to pray with you. I want to rejoice with you. Friend, if there is another decision in your life, salvation, baptism, rededication, church membership, maybe you just have needs on your heart that you need prayer for. Maybe there's something you're laying down and just between you and God, maybe just you and your family and God, you just want to come to this altar and you want to lay it down. Whatever that is this morning at this response time, will you let God's light have its purpose in your life? Will you use God's word? Would you make a commitment this morning? God, I'm going. I'm going to follow your word. George Barna does research for churches. And in 2009, he asked a question. He wanted to find out how many Americans possess a biblical worldview. And he defines a biblical worldview as absolute moral truth exists. The Bible is totally accurate in all the principles it teaches. Satan is considered to be a real force, not merely symbolic. A person cannot earn their way into heaven by doing good works. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth. And God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world who still rules the universe today. Those six foundational things are considered a biblical worldview. His response, 9% of Americans believe those things. 19% of born-again believers believe those six things. We look around and we wonder what's going on. That's what's going on. We have abandoned the guidance, the instruction of God's Word. And we're reaping the consequences for it. Father, I thank You. Oh, that You loved us enough to die for us and to give us an accurate, true instruction manual for life. God, there is never anything in any season 
where your word is not true and applicable to us. Father, we abandon your word so often for other things. We replace it with other philosophies. We replace it with our own wants or wills. And Father, we walk in darkness. We grope, we trip, we fall. We are bruised, we are broken. Father, today, families are broken. Relationships are shattered. Today, churches are crumbling. Today, our nation appears to stand at a moral tipping point. And Father, we wonder why, and we look and see only 19% of those who claim to be born-again believers espoused to six foundational truths. Father, help each one of us today know where we stand and move forward with your light, the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.